Hello and welcome back to AGM Watch, brought to you by the Australian Shareholders Association. The season is just about finished and joining me for the wrap-up, or mop-up, depending on how you saw 2020, is Fiona Balzer, the Policy and Advocacy Manager at the ASA. Hi Fiona. Hi Phil. Let's look back at the 2020 season, the big changes this year and the virtual meetings and the acceleration of this change. How have virtual meetings changed things? Virtual meetings have been great because people can attend the meetings no matter where they are. And a lot of our volunteers who attend the meetings have learned that you can do back-to-back meetings without having to run 15 minutes down the road or attend meetings interstate. So we've had different state people from different states helping out um, to, to attend the meetings. So that's been fantastic. It's been a bit frustrating because it's very much... When a company has a virtual AGM, when you ask a question, typically you have to type the question in and it may or may not be asked. It might be asked and summarised in a way that means you don't even recognise your question if they don't put your name against it. And not all the companies are putting people's names against it. So it does end up being quite sterile, even though more people are able to join from all over the country. So it's been a... An interesting experience and we uh, have also been quite concerned because Treasury, the policy makers of the country, have um, put forward that we might be continuing with virtual meetings. Uh, Some companies apparently like the way it's um, easier and cheaper uh, to run, although we've had a few of our favourite companies saying they're just desperate to get back to real meetings where they have cups of tea and talk with their shareholders and have a bit of interaction. So, yeah, really big change for this year. And it sounds like most people are interested in the hybrid idea of the meeting, aren't they? Yeah, that's something ASA has been supporting for four years. We've run our AGMs as virtual a virtual meeting this year and three years before that they were hybrid meetings. And we've long supported hybrid meetings because we do think you do need to have the ability to eyeball directors, uh, especially when things are going wrong. And I think we have often seen shareholders even travel to go to an AGM when things are going really badly. And then we also like the idea of people being able to attend no matter where they are, you know, different states, people with mobility issues, with work obligations, just being able to pop in and participate in the AGM. It has accelerated the process. Many years ago, I started working on webcasts back in the early 2000s, but um, virtual AGMs are different to a webcast, aren't they? Yes. The, the thing about webcasts, and they are different from hybrid AGMs as well, with a webcast, you just get the vision of the people on the stage. There's no interaction there's, with them, yep. There's no interaction, no ability to ask questions, no ability to vote. Quite often, it's not even set up as a studio, so you don't get to see the people asking the questions in the room. With a hybrid meeting, it's like you have... Lumi is one of the major providers, but it's a bit like you have Zoom or Teams or something on the side where you can type in a question and they have voting cards. The share registries have voting cards. So you can participate online, but again, you don't get the chance to ask the question and typing in your question can be quite frustrating because it might not be asked in the way you mean it. And then when it's answered in a way that you don't mean either, you can't just quickly say, hey, I meant this. Yeah. Well, you can if there's not many people in the AGM, the virtual AGM. So we have had 
situations where you've been able to type really quickly and they've responded. But if they have seven questions, it just means yours goes to the keeper. So the big impact this year has been COVID. Can you tell us about some of the impacts that has come about because of that? Okay, so for COVID, there has been the virtual meetings. There also was at the start of the year a real concern about companies having enough money to keep running. So there were lots of capital raisings and the regulators, so your Australian Securities and Investment Commission and the ASX itself, its listing rules, were modified so that companies could do emergency capital raisings uh, in speedy time and lower documentation. And that really was prevalent in May, May this year. So um, that's carrying over into the AGMs as well because a lot of the companies are trying to refresh their capital raising because you can only raise 15 or 25% in a 12-month period unless your shareholders say it's okay. And, of course, if your shareholders are unhappy with what you've done with the money, they won't say okay. But many of them have said it's okay. It's a bit difficult because the capital raisings we had Lots of the money goes to the institutions, the shares goes to the institutional investors and smaller shareholders were given the opportunity to participate by going into share purchase plans where you can buy $30,000 worth of shares in a 12-month period in one company. And that all works really well if you're small or if you're big, but some of the people in the middle, like small funds or self-managed superannuation funds as well, they missed out on getting an equal share. And the reason you worry about getting an equal share in a capital raising is that some of these were done at what's called a deep discount. So the share price was 19200 for Cochlear. They did the issue at 140 Share price, once they had the capital and people didn't have to worry about them going broke or, you know, would they, could they, all of a sudden the share price goes back to that price. So if you've not participated, you've been what's called diluted. So if you think of it like a pie, you've been left with a small slice. So it is really important when they can't, those sorts of resolutions come on AGMs that you make sure you're happy with how the company is raising capital. In a less scary time we want the companies to do what's called patrios yeah i was going to bring up patrio because i'm very proud that i've learned what patrio is it's very clever <laughs> doing these uh, agm watch episodes <laughs> <laughs> yeah so many people have trouble with the wording but it's all to do with each shareholder getting the right to buy new shares in line with what they hold already so if you're a big holder you get a big amount that's exactly in line with your holding it's called pro rata and if you're a small holder, you also get pro rata. So you end up with a similar number of slices at the end of the time. But in troubled times, it, it, the companies are a bit scared that something could happen in two weeks' time where they're waiting for the money to come and actually not be able to raise the capital. Whereas with um, selling it to the institutions, basically they get 24 hours to say yes or no. And if the world has a terrible event afterwards they are still legally obliged to pay that money and then retail shareholders with a share purchase plan get about four weeks to think about participating and we've seen some where the share price went down and the companies didn't raise much money and then we've seen others where the share price went up and people only got half of what they asked for or less but uh, yeah Patreon is so much easier for the shareholders just can be tough for the companies. So 
There's been a lot of talk about sharing the pain, that management and directors have been sharing the pain financially with the company that's been underperforming because of the COVID situation. Yeah, we, we saw an interesting range of behaviours with regards to remuneration reports. We had some companies whose structure of their system meant that as the share price fell and their revenue fell and the customer numbers fell, all bonuses were set to zero automatically without the company having to think about it. And we even had people complaining about some companies not changing it. And we just looked at their scheme and they're like, well, they don't have to make an announcement because that's how the system works. So we had that type of behaviour. We had other companies where they're like, everybody's suffering, there's no dividends. And executives went on unpaid leave. They reduced, you know, they agreed to reduce bonuses. Directors agreed to a 20 or 30% fall in their director fees uh, for either for a period and for companies in difficulty. Sometimes that continues for a longer time. So we saw a lot of sharing the pain. And then we saw a few cloth ears where, or lead ears, where people felt that had it not been for COVID, they would have met the hurdles and they actually used board discretion to increase what was would have been paid otherwise. And that was often punished by the, the shareholders voting against the remuneration report and various companies ended up with strikes for that reason. And a lot of the companies that we discussed seem to take a great deal of effort in supporting their staff as well. I'm thinking of SGR as one example. Was that a good example? Star Entertainment? Yeah. Star ended up with a strike, but that was more because of the discretionary um, element used for the higher executives. They were expecting Crown to open a facility across the, the water from them, and they were concerned that if they cut certain executives' pays that they would be prime candidates to move to the competition and yet well as events turned out it's probably not going to be that easy for crown to open but it was felt that everybody else was wearing a lot of pain and it wasn't appropriate to do that sometimes we feel when we're looking at how boards are dealing with remuneration that they're a little bit too attached to a certain staff member i know these people are great and we're having them work for the competitions not a good thing, but typically they don't walk away as quickly as the companies seem to suggest. <laughs> as they'd be worried about. But yes. um, in the case of JB Hi-Fi, they actually rewarded their staff members because during COVID they um, went above and beyond in terms of cleaning the stores and going to, into stores earlier, yeah. and they were duly rewarded by management as well. Typically shareholders aren't ag- against that sort of sharing sharing of the wealth it's more that as we saw with the financial services royal commission sometimes people get many millions of dollars that just don't seem to be appropriate where they actually have more control over strategy and how the company's performing and the culture whereas rewarding the existing staff or for some companies they have had to let people go and the executives have taken cuts because they don't feel it's appropriate for them to do really well when the people who are just as important as they are really 
aren't doing as well, who are, are suffering. Yeah, and as in the case of staff members, uh, you know, having to <laughs> deal with a, a lot of people on the ground, like in Woolworths and what the people in Woolworths and Coles had to deal with. Yeah, yeah, it, mm. it was quite tricky. And they all, you know, that's a real, really good example of a company knowing what its purpose is and getting all the people involved in what needs to be done. And, yeah, like I say, I don't think shareholders begrudge the staff being rewarded adequately because they don't have much control and the rewards aren't going to be like an executive who misses out on two years rewards will probably make it up in the future just seems unfair for some people to go through unscathed (laughs) that's right yes share the pain so there have been a number of strikes this year as well, haven't there? It's been an increased number of strikes? Yes, there has been an increased number of strikes. We're up to 17 and last year's count was 15. And it really seemed like at the start of the year that wasn't going to be the case. But I think there was a fair deal of frustration of those companies that hadn't really taken on board how difficult COVID is. And although that said, the leader is still AMP, which had about 62 and a half. And the winner is? (laughs) The winner is, and it's not a position you want to be in, AMP, which was a May AGM. So one of the first, wasn't quite a virtual meeting because it was before you could ask questions at the meeting. But AMP, after the Financial Services Royal Commission, just share price performed so poorly, pulling itself back together and reinventing itself in the appropriate culture wasn't proceeding well and the it was felt that the new CEO's pay was just excessive. They were changing his what's called the short-term incentive. So over the year you get a certain fixed pay. Short-term incentive used to be up to 120% of his fixed pay and it was being increased to 200 And the company has shrunk so much because of the share price being in the doldrums. And it was just seemed like it was too much money for for that executive. So they've kept the leader role. And then the next one on the list is actually a company called Cromwell Property. And that's there's a bit of a theme because Meyer is is similarly placed. So Cromwell Property has a major shareholder, the Singaporean-based property um, developer ARA, who had about 26% of the company then and probably is close to 30 now they were unhappy with how the company was going other shareholders feel like the major shareholder if they're unhappy they should just buy the company pay a premium other shareholders will walk away but ARA has been navigating through the boardroom there's been I think it's they've had two EGMs to try and get representatives on the board which were they were successful at at the last meeting and they ended up getting a strike because the major shareholder and one other large holder voted against the remuneration report and it was their second strike. So they were also in the 60% against and they actually had a spill resolution passed. So ARA and another shareholder was able to convince others to more than 50% to vote for the spill. So that is going to be taking place in February. They voted off the three directors. The chairman of the board got voted out, another two. Now there's only three people from before. Plus the nature of the, the directorships is 
the two ARA nominees are continuing. They'll continue and then there's the board spill in February. So that was a really big impact for that company because we don't know. There's been various news reports about um, what's coming next and uh, we're really watching this space. Very significant for that company. And with Maya... Yeah, they, let's talk about Maya for a moment. Poor little Maya. It's another company that's kind of shrinking as well. While it has an online business as well, you know, the big flag stores, of course, have been hit through COVID. And they have Solly Lou, who also has premier investments. And so retail specialists who feel that the company should do it differently. And again, we would have been much happier had they taken over Maya, put forward a premium, paid the price, and then taken control. But they also managed to get votes for the chairman that left him in the position that he felt he had to resign on the day of the AGM, citing that they um, made two major shareholders. He no longer had their support, and he felt there was a distraction for the company. So he stepped aside. So they, they had a little strike, though. Their strike was only 33.6%. Uh, so not, not up there with the Cromwells and the AMPs. So was there anything else in this season that you wanted to talk about? I think we saw quite a lot of unhappiness with directors. Days gone by, if your director got more than 5% against vote in the proxies, they would actually step aside. Mm. Whereas nowadays, you know, we, we see where there's difficult situations where different shareholders have different beliefs and expectations that we are seeing more directors who only just scrape in. And this year, I think we saw quite a lot who received, you know, 5 or 10 or 15, 20% against votes. So... It really felt like a season where people were dissatisfied and because of the virtual AGM format, it was really difficult to pick up exactly what the issues were. There are some that's, some boards that still have really poor diversity. The male-female ratio is out of whack. The ethnicity, different skills even the length of tenure. There are a few boards where people have been on the board for 18 or so years. That is still still a feature, and it seemed like people were more happy to vote, vote against those people, rather than perhaps they would have just asked pointed questions and been satisfied or, or not, had it not been for COVID. <laughs> so it's a season of discontent then? Yeah, very messy season. Season yeah. of discontent is a good way to describe it. Some companies have been able to give really good first quarter updates. Premier, for example, despite the strike, did end up with its share price going up because of its online sales. Other companies haven't been able to give much um, guidance and clarity about what comes after you know, the shutdowns and the like, yep, you know, what yep. will next year look like? And I think that's one of the other reasons the remuneration reports got against high against votes because companies are less able to say we're going to have this hurdle or that hurdle. It's been a little bit like, trust me, and I think people have trouble <laughs> with trust. And I think it's also a season that's been highlighted by the acceleration of many changes. There's many companies that have had to change really quickly in so many ways. Yes, and many of them would have done a more measured change 
previously, but usually what you want to do is not disrupt the business you have. But when it is when fully it's disrupted and, and you've got to do something, that, that really pushes, say, the move to online, online sales and online service, the work from home movement, which will also be interesting with regards to culture going forward. Because, you know, how a company, how its personality develops, there's all sorts of risk controls and things that are much easier to um, lay down when you're in an office, when you've got somebody off site, not really sure if they're meeting deadlines, policies and the like, you have to work differently. Mm. Yeah, so it's been been a tough year. Actually, very pleased that the AGM season is drawing to, to a close. Okay, Fiona, thanks very much for joining us today. Thanks, Phil.